Well, uh, it has been good for us to uh, kind of journey with the kids here at Soul City Church. Uh, some of you have actually learned more from those videos than you have from my messages. I'm concerned about that. Um, but there are, uh, so you know, uh, uh, an army of volunteers that serve every Sunday morning at our 10 o'clock gathering uh, up in Soul City Kids. And many of them serve in the morning, then come back here so they can actually go to church with their friends here at Soul City Church tonight. And I thought it'd be cool for us just to thank them for the work they're doing with the kids here at our church. So grateful for that. We are continuing, as Jeannie said, in our Roots series where we are looking at these fundamental ideas, and these fundamental concepts, these foundational things of our faith, uh, these core components to having a relationship with God. And, uh, you know, for many of us, maybe you grew up around church, and so this stuff may be familiar to you, but for a lot of us, uh, a lot of stuff is just things we sort of do and engage in without having a real context or understanding for. And so we thought instead of just sort of going through and kind of stumbling through our Christian life and assuming that everyone knows this stuff, what if we as a church stopped and said, no, let's dive in, let's dig in and explore these core elements of our faith and to ask God to reveal to us what it is that he intended for us through these different practices and aspects of our faith. And so tonight what we're looking at is this way that God has actually wired us and these opportunities that God has given us to engage with him in very unique and specific ways. Specifically, how we talk with God and how we tell about God. How we talk with God and how we tell about God. Tonight we're going to look at prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. Now again, these may be very familiar things on the surface, but you may not understand sort of the context, the idea that God had behind each of these things and the unique role they play in our relationship with Him. Now, I'm sure for, I know in this room, all of you are very, very, very super spiritual people, but maybe just by show of hands, when it comes to even just the idea of prayer, how many of us at some point have felt like we're just not praying enough? Just by show of hands. You just felt guilty like you're not praying enough. Okay, that's, okay, that's everyone. Okay, so I'm going I'm to pray for you. So how many, how many of you have ever felt like, I just, I'm not praying right. I don't know if I'm doing this right. Am I doing this right? Ever felt that before? Right. That's a lot of us, and the rest of you just are afraid to admit it. Like a lot of us, don't, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I feel guilty like I'm not doing this enough, or maybe if you're kind of new or, or, or coming around church when it comes to the worship thing, and we don't need to show hands around here, but like you walk into a room like this, and people are singing, and they're raising their hands, and some people are like dancing and swaying, and you're like, I don't know, I must have missed something they passed around before this thing started, because this is very, this is very new or very different. It's very easy to sort of feel on the outside or to go along with emotions without having an idea of the context of what they represent. We're not going to assume that any one of us knows necessarily anything about prayer and worship. We're going to dive in and look to God's word and God's heart to better understand how it is that we should pray, why it is that we should pray, how it is that we worship, and why it is that we worship, and how beautiful and wonderful it is that God has given us a dynamic with him, that God has given us this relational dynamic with him where it's not just about keeping religious rules. It's not just about memorizing enough religious words or concepts. It's about having a relationship with him. And there is something about the way we talk and listen to him and with him and the way that we tell others about him. It's very relational. And God designed and intended it that way and designed and intended you that way. So let's take a second and literally like start, let's level the playing field and look at this idea of worship and what we've come to call 
worship. Now, you know just from that word, worship is sort of ascribing or attributing praise to something or someone beyond or above yourself. It is saying you are more important, and so I am giving you my affection and my my attention. That's what worship is. Now, in the context of the Bible and biblical worship, there's something you need to understand about that. We need to understand about that, that it goes, it has been going on long before you and I, that worship has been happening long before you and I ever got on the scene, long before Christian radio, long before Time Life collections of worship songs, long before any of the stuff we'd come to call worship today. Worship has existed long before you and I. In fact, the scriptures teach us that that is the primary occupation of angels in heaven, is to worship and praise God. That's the top thing on their job description, to worship and praise God. And so they are surrounded in God's presence. As we know from the scriptures, the angels are surrounded in that place, worshiping, singing, praising, acknowledging God's goodness and greatness all the time. And that's been happening long before you and I ever got here. So one of the most important things for us to understand about worship is it is much bigger than you and I. It's much bigger than us and the songs we like and the way we feel comfortable doing it. This is how the angels have interacted with God for as long as there's been heaven and angels to occupy it. And when we worship here together on earth, when we join in worship, we are practicing for what we will spend an eternity doing. We are getting a glimpse and a taste of what God has intended for us. That we would spend our lives, that we would spend our energy, that we would spend our attention and our affection acknowledging God's greatness and goodness and his love for all people. That's what worship is. It's been going on a whole lot longer than you, and it's a lot bigger than you. Now, sometimes when we worship, we take different forms of doing that. Lots of times what people think of when they think of worship is singing. We think of worship music. We think of songs. And this has been true throughout the scriptures. There has uh, often been, many, many times, there has been music attached to worship because music has this power over our soul, doesn't it? Music has this way of connecting to us and resonating with us, and so it draws out deep emotion. And it doesn't even have to be worship music. Just music in general does that for us. And so many times we sing worship songs. Sometimes people will shout or they'll cheer when they're worshiping God because they are so enamored by who God is, caught up in who God is. Sometimes people get on their knees when they're worshiping God because it's, it's a symbol of, look, I am, you are greater than I. You are God and I am not, so I am getting into this place to say I am as low and small as possible because you are as great and good as I could ever imagine. So sometimes it takes that form. Sometimes it can be loud. Sometimes it can be quiet and reflective. Sometimes the worship that we offer to God is our profession. It is what we believe. And so lots of times the songs that we sing, when we are singing them, we are affirming, we are professing that is what we believe. Now, we are not smart enough to come up with all the rhymes and all the melodies and all that kind of stuff. We'll leave that up to the experts. But when they bring that to us, we say, yes, I profess this is true. I believe that to be true about God. I believe that to be true about who God is. And so worship can take the form of our profession. We are declaring what we believe to be true about God. But sometimes worship takes the form of our confession. We confess that given our circumstances and given the way life has hit us, 
that we're choosing to believe that these things are true. Even though life may not seem that way around us, even though our circumstances may tell us a different story, we confess, we come to God and say, I choose these words, I choose this truth, I confess that these things are true about you as hard as they may be for me to believe. Worship is this powerful way of us expressing to God what we believe to be true about him. What we believe to be true about him. Sometimes it comes from profession, sometimes it comes from confession. So that's worship. It is this thing that has been going on much longer than you and is much bigger than you and oftentimes incorporates music but is not limited to music. Now prayer is similar but different. While worship is something that the angels have been doing long before we ever got here, prayer is a uniquely human experience. Have you ever thought about that? Prayer is a uniquely human experience that God has given us to interact with him. Think about it. There's no need for angels to pray because God's like right there. I mean, there's really no need. It's like sending an email to the person in the cube next to you. And some of you spend most of your days doing that. Like there's no real, you could just say, hey, and just talk to them. But you send an email instead, right? That, there's no need for an angel to pray because they're in God's presence and God's everywhere. And so they are just declaring who God is. Well, prayer is a uniquely human experience because we are at a, a distance, a separation because of our sin from God, that God has provided a way for us to have communion, relationship, dialogue, conversation with him through this thing called prayer. Now, when God created Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 and 2, there was no prayer then. There was no folding hands. There was none of that stuff. They didn't pray because God walked in their midst. The scriptures tell us that God walked with Adam and Eve through the garden. What that must have been like to be fully in the presence of God. They knew no different than to just speak to God who was always there. But sin enters the story and separates us from God. And we've talked about this at Soul City. We've talked about the way that sin has separated and brought with us a, a, a division in the story of God. A separation where God is... Um, present but distant throughout the course of the whole Old Testament. And so we see at the end of Genesis 3, for the very first time, people have to call out to God. And that's where we have the first sort of recorded prayer, that people have to call out to God, because it's not like what it once was where we were in his presence. God gives us this way to pray, to dialogue, to interact with him. And sometimes prayer takes, just like worship, lots of different forms, lots of different expressions. Sometimes when we pray, we ask things of God. Lots of times when we pray, we're asking things of God. And that's okay. God delights when we bring our needs to him. He is a loving father who loves to meet every one of our needs. Lots of times when we pray, we are confessing things to God, although usually not enough. Prayer can take the form of confessing to God, saying, look, this is stuff that, that is between you and I. It's sin that separates us. And the amazing thing about confession is here's the thing. God already knows. It's usually you who are the last one to know. And so when God gets a hold of your heart, you say, no, 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 this is the thing that is guiding and directing my life, and it's taking me away from you. I confess it. I repent. So prayer sometimes takes the form of confession. Sometimes when we pray, we listen. But lots of times when we pray, we talk. God has devised, created, intended this dynamic between you and him to be this ongoing dialogue and conversation where we listen to and speak with 
the God of the universe. Where sin came to separate and divide us once and for all, God has provided a way for us to have dynamic dialogue and conversation with him. Worship is how we talk about God. Prayer is how we talk with God and dialogue with God. The two are are, are similar. They definitely are similar, but they serve very different functions in our relationship with God, and they serve very different functions in how we grow in our faith. One of them, for many of us, comes easier to us, but one of them must come before the other. When it comes to prayer and worship, one of them comes a lot easier to a lot of us, but one of them must come before the other. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute, but let me try and paint this picture by telling you a story. Um, so recently, uh, I was invited by, Jeannie and I were invited by friends to go to a concert. Now, we're at that stage with little kids where we barely get out to see movies, so a concert is top shelf. Like, you know, and it does I mean, really, it's like, we, this very rarely happens. So we, they had tickets, and so we were going to go see a concert, and so the thing is, I had no idea who the performer was. No idea who this person was. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's really cool. We got these great tickets. We're going to kind of go to this. This is a really cool, special concert that they're doing here in Chicago. And it's very special. And I was like, oh, whatever. I don't even know who this is. That's fine. And so, you know, I expected to go to a place. I expected it to kind of be like um, one of your friend's bands, you know, <laughs> that it's one of those deals where, like, you kind of look around like, are you going to go? Am I going to go? Because if we don't go, no one's going. Okay, and you have to, like, draw straws to go see your friend's band. That's kind of what I had in mind going, like, sure, sure, sure. Well, I'll go to this place with you, and maybe we can talk at a very loud volume and talk at each other for a little while and, and connect that way, and that's fine. I'll endure whatever music we have to listen to. And then we get there, and the place is packed. I mean, it's literally wall-to-wall packed with hundreds of people. I was like, wow, I don't know, like, who came on before them or who's coming on after? Like, this, this is not at all what I expected. And so we kind of made our way to our spot sort of on the side of the stage and standing there. And I'm watching, and this person's singing, and, and, and people actually know their songs. It's as if people knew who this person was. Now, I didn't, so I assumed they just didn't matter. But other people did, and they were singing along. And then when, when she would talk, like, people would sort of, like, finish sentences or phrases of hers, and they sort of knew everything about her, and there was this dialogue going on between her and the audience, and, and then there'd be songs where they'd call out, and she'd laugh and sing them. It's like they were all friends. I had no idea what was going on. And I was kind of frustrated, because even where we were standing, all I could really hear was the guitar, and I was like, oh, I don't know, this is great. I'm so glad we came here. If we leave now, we can still catch a movie. And so that's kind of like my attitude the whole time, right? So I really didn't think much of it until it was a couple days later, two or three days later, I was flying, I was in the airport, and I walked by one of the, the Hudson News stores, and there was a People magazine, and the singer that I had just seen at the concert was on the cover. I was like, she looks familiar. That's... So I kind of go, I'm like, Miranda Lambert. And, and then I was like, oh, I think she's kind of a big deal, because I think she's won Emmys and, or Grammys and stuff or whatever, like she's won some awards, like... She must be kind of a big deal, but she's a country singer. So again, she means nothing to me. It really, like I even said her name to some of you, and you're like, meh. And so like that, you know that we're right uh, in this scenario. Uh, I had no idea that I was at this very special kind of like VIP special concert that she played in Chicago. It was kind of hard to get into, and we got into. And I really could care less because I had no relationship with her, and still to this day have no real interest in her music. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. But honestly... That's so much for, like, that scenario of going to a concert where you don't know the artist. It it, it can be fun. You can kind of get to the the gist of the experience, but you're missing a lot. 
It's like going to a foreign film with no subtitles. It's kind of like you go, I think that's funny. I don't know if that's funny. I think I get it, right? That's a lot for a lot of us when it comes to prayer and worship. We, we can come to the experience of worship and have this sort of emotional connection, but we have no context of relationship with the God that we're actually singing to. And so our worship is missing meat. And it's missing context. And it's a very, very different experience when the one whom I'm worshiping is the one whom I have been with. And those people at that concert had a relationship with that singer. They knew her music. They knew her. It was a dialogue and a connection going on between them. And I was really one of the only people in the room who was on the outside. And yet I think for many of us, when it comes to our prayer and worship experience, we have no problem sort of coming around and getting on board with worship, but many times what's missing is our context of prayer, our being with, our talking and listening to God that then pours into our worship and our praise of Him. See, we have no context that the music can be powerful, the moment can be powerful, but if you don't understand the meaning, then you're missing something. And the way that God has created and, and, and you and the way that God has sort of laid out this prayer and worship dynamic with him is, is sort of like this. is The more that you and I get to know God, the more and more we get to make God known. The two are actually very, very, very connected. The, the more I get to know God, so take it back to that concert, the more I know this singer, the more I know their music, the easier it is and the more I get to make them known. When you care about that performer, when you care about whoever that person is, you have no problem sharing with other people why they're the greatest person in all the world, why you have to buy all their songs, why you make people listen to them while you're in their car with you. You have no problem making them known when you know them. But if you don't know them, it's very hard to actually make them known. Does that make sense? And so for many of us, when we come around time to this church, and I'm saying this to you as a pastor who loves you and is in relationship with you, I think many times I love the way that we worship God together. I just want to make sure that we know and have been with the God that we are worshiping. That we are with him and know him before we make him known. See, one comes easier to us. That's worship. Lots of times it comes easier to us. But one must come before the other, and that's prayer. Our being with always comes before our making known. And the more and more I get to know God in times of prayer, the more and more I get to make him known in my worship. The more and more I get to proclaim who he is. It's like my, my praise must always be preceded by my prayer. Does that make sense? That my, that my, my prayer, my, my time in prayer always precedes my praise. It is what gives me the context to say, to proclaim, to make known. And when I am connected with God in that way, in times of prayer, I have a completely different song to sing that is way far greater than my circumstances. Far greater even than my emotional capacity. Because I have an experience with God that I then make known to Him and to the world around me. The Bible teaches this rhythm, this dance, this sort of, it's the spiritual symbiosis of how prayer and worship work together with each other. One always being a little bit easier for us to wrap our hearts around, but one that always has to come before the other. And no clearer do you see this painted than through the Psalms. 
If you've ever read any of the Psalms, you know that it is this, this dance, this back and forth between prayer and being with God and knowing God and then worship and praise and making God known. And so many times throughout the Psalms, context is thrown into it. There's all kinds of very specific situations and, and struggles and tensions and dynamics that are going on. And the writers of the Psalms bring those into their prayer and worship. And we get to be witness and participants in that. And so what I want us to do is open up to Psalm 34 and look at this dynamic at work of how prayer precedes praise. And so why don't you grab a Bible right in front of you, the Blue Bibles. Uh, You can grab, open to Psalm 34. It's page 515 in the Blue Bible. Now, if you brought your own Bible, that's awesome. I have no idea what page it is in there. But you can kind of open up to Psalm 34. And if that's not enough, we'll put it up in the screen for you. If you need it, I can have someone sit next to you and whisper it in your ear. We want to make sure that you get this because we believe it's that important. We want to see this practice of prayer preceding praise, of knowing before I make known. And so what we have here, I want to give a little context to this psalm that we're about to read. The, 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 the timeline of the events is actually found in 1 Samuel 21. So there's a context, just like there always is to our worship. There's a context even to the psalm we're about to read. David had just recently killed Goliath. And if you know that story, he had risen to national fame. He had killed one of the greatest enemies of the Israelites. And so at that time, King Saul was king. He was the first king over Israel. And at first, he was very enamored with David. But then he became incredibly jealous and re- rageful towards David. In fact, he made it very clear that one of the, like on his bucket list was to kill David. Like Saul made it very clear he was going to kill David. And so David was on the run for his life, having no idea what he'd done other than serve God and serve the king. Can you imagine how confusing that would be? Wait, God, what have I done wrong? All I've done is right. I just killed Goliath. Hello, do you remember that? I did that. And then like I, I, I served the king, and now he's so jealous and so mad that he's trying to kill me. And so David's actually on the run for his life. And we don't have nearly enough time to go into it tonight. But in, in 1 Samuel 21, he comes up to the gates of one of the enemies of the people of God, an opposing nation. And they begin to recognize who he is, that he's this hero of Israel. And so he freaks out and doesn't know what to do. And so he starts acting crazy, literally like foaming at the mouth and starts like banging on the gates and going crazy. So they think he's gone mad so that he's not a threat to them. That's your hero from the Bible. That's how you know the Bible's real. It's because stuff like that happens all throughout the Bible. So it's literally right after that moment of foaming at the mouth and realizing that he's on the run for his life that he writes these words. Psalm 34, look at what David says. I will extol the Lord at all times. Extol, simply put, is I will make known. I will make sure that it is made known. I will extol, I will lift up and make known the Lord at all times. Think about the times that we just talked about that he was in. Think about all that is going on in your life right now. The circumstances that can define your perception and assumptions about God. And David said, no, at all times. At all times, even on the run for my life, I will extol the Lord. His praise will what? Always. Wow, that was pathetic. Let's try that again. His praise will what? Always be on my lips. At all times, his praise will always be on my lips. I will glory. That means I will revel. I will delight in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Those who are suffering, those who are oppressed, those who are in tension, 
those who are overwhelmed. Let them hear who God is and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Do you see what David's doing? He is praising and making known the name of God. He is extolling. He is glorying. He's reveling in. Even in the midst of the worst, at that point in his life, the worst circumstances he had ever faced. And you may be right now in this moment in the worst circumstances you've ever faced. And it was all you could do to get up and get over here tonight and to walk through these doors. And you need to know that you are not alone. That even in your most difficult and trying circumstances, God has given you the ability, when you know him, to praise him, to extol him, to glory in him, to revel in him, even, especially, in light of the circumstances around you. But here's what's powerful. David isn't just making known. Let's read on to see what he already knows. Moving on, it's verse 4. He says this. Now look at the tense here. I what? Sought the Lord. So I've already sought out the Lord. I've gone searching for the Lord. And he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. You just pause on that for a second. He delivered me from all my fears fears. Does it mean that he makes all the bad circumstances go away? Does it mean that magically you wake up tomorrow and you have a job or you have enough money to pay off your debt? That's not at all what God promises, but he does promise that he actually can deliver you from your fears, from the fear of your circumstances, from the fear of rejection, from the fear of spending the rest of your life alone, from the fear of never being able to have a child. Even in the midst of those circumstances, David is saying, I've already seen I already know. He's delivered me from all my fears. And those who look to him, let these words sink in, Soul City Church. Those who look to him are radiant. They're radiant. Their faces shine. Their faces are never covered with shame. Their faces are never covered with shame. Those who know God and commit to knowing him in the dynamic of relationship, they're never covered with shame. They have nothing to hide. David describes himself as this poor man called, this poor man called, this hero who he describes as a poor man, this poor man called, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. Do you see what David has the ability to make known is what he already knows and experiences. Worship is what we make known about God, but prayer is what we know and experience with God. And you see it again and again and again all throughout the Psalms. And our hope is that we would see it again and again and again throughout our lives. That our praise would always be preceded by our prayer. That our making known would always be preceded by our knowing. And the more I know, the more I'm able to make known to glory, to revel in who God is. And so what I want us to do is just sit and think about these two beautiful relational realities that God has given us of prayer and worship, these ways of interacting with him. And, and let's just stop for a second and, and, and as, with those words that David just gave us, that truth, that picture that David just gave us, that God just spoke through our hearts. Let's think about and reflect on this idea of prayer. 
And here's what I want you to think about. And I want you just to be really honest. If you had to sort of put a, a, a ratio, a percentage marker, when it comes to when you pray, and we're not even talking about how much you pray or how often you pray or how you pray, but let's just assume that we're all praying for at least 10 hours a day every day. And so it, it, when it comes to the time you spend in prayer, what percentage is spent listening versus talking? Because there's something in the knowing and the hearing from and the revealing of God that only happens when we listen. And so just be really honest, and I can be very honest with you. The percentage of time that I spend listening to God in prayer is significantly lower than the time I spend talking. And what's so funny is I so desperately want to hear from God, I just don't give him a word edgewise. I just sort of treat God like my diary. And then you know what he said, God? This is what he said, God. And can you believe he did this, God? God, I think you should strike him down. Like I spend most of my time talking when what I so desperately want is to hear from God, and yet I give no space in my life to listen and to be still and to know who God is and how good God is and how much he loves me. And maybe something for you and I to think about and and we'll even commit to practicing together this week is maybe we need to focus more on listening than we do talking. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to talk and and bring your request to him and and to lay your heart. God loves and delights in you when you do that. But what I'm saying is if you want to know God, you have to listen and give space and give time And that's not always easy for us. In fact, for some of us, it seems impossible. But maybe the percentage can be tilted and shifted a little bit more this week so that we are listening at least as much as we're talking with God. And the amazing thing is, as we saw David, as we come to God, he does reveal himself in his own time in his own way, I'll tell you a question that helps tremendously. If you think like, man, what do I do? Do I just kind of sit and listen till like I hear a noise? That kind of freaks me out. Like, what do I do? A great thing is to just sit and be still. If it helps you to write it down, write it down. Just say, God, what do you want me to see about you or about me? And just sit. God, what do you want me to see about who you are or about who I am? And God, I have the context of my circumstances. I have all these things I just need you to give me answers about. I just need you to fix for me. But God, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to see right now in this moment about who you are and who I am? I want to sit here, God. I want to sit. I want to be still. I want to remember the things that I already know to be true about you. I want to write them down if I need to. God, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be still. I'm going to keep asking God, what, what, what do you want me to see about who you are or about who I am? And let God do what he loves to do, which is make himself known. And it happens slowly, but it happens surely and truly. You can know God. He's promised you that. You can know him. And so when it comes to prayer this week, I want us to think about what it would look like to listen at least as much as we talk. And for some of you, it literally, (laughs) you may want like a little timer on your phone. Like, I'm going to give myself, like, five minutes to talk, and I'm going to sit for five minutes. And, like, set an alarm. Do whatever you have to do. And just see if that doesn't change the way that you interact with God when it comes to prayer. And when it comes to worship, I would love for you to think about how is it that 
you are declaring who God is? How is it that you are making known who God is beyond the incredible times that we spend together here in song every weekend? I love our band, our worship collective. I love the way that Juliet is leading and these leaders are leading us in this church. I feel like every week it gets better and better and better and it's a wonderful thing, but the challenge for us is how do we engage with God and make him known outside of this time throughout the week? And it may be in really small ways and and I'll give you a couple examples because for some of you are like, does that mean I have to like sing at work? Like what does that mean? I don't know. And for some of you, you're wired that way. You have worship music playing all the time. You have worship music in your headphones. You have it playing in the house. My wife is this way. Like when she works out, when she's on the treadmill or doing whatever, she is like literally singing out and praising God while she runs. And it's it's like embarrassing for me because you know, I'm probably listening to some rap song I shouldn't listen to. Here's my wife over here like praising God and praising God. Like some of you are wired that way, but for those of you who aren't, okay, for those of you who aren't, here's what it looks like to make God known every day in our lives. When you see God at work in someone's life or in a circumstance, say it. Just say it. And then they may not be a Christian and it may be a little bit weird, but just say it to just go, hey, I just want to let you know that is God at work in you? If you're in a small group, we talk a lot about small groups around here. We believe that they are essential to our spiritual growth. And you're sitting in a circle and someone shares something from their life that you acknowledge as growth, say it. That's God at work in you. I can't believe how much you've grown. I sat across from Dave Schroeder. We sat across and met this week. And to look at his life, I had to say, Dave, you are growing unbelievably right now. God has gotten a hold of your life. I gotta say it. And here's the crazy thing. I didn't sing it to him. That would be weird. That would be really weird, right? But to say it is to make God known, and that is worship. When you see in a circumstance around you something beautiful that you catch a sunset, and we only have a few of these until they start coming at 5 o'clock at night. So when you catch a sunset, you just go, oh, God, that is beautiful. God, I feel like you've painted the heavens just for me. That's worship. That's making God known outside of these walls and these words and these songs. And so here's the challenge for us, Soul City. And I love the way our church steps up to these challenges every week and takes seriously our spiritual growth and takes responsibility for our spiritual growth. It's like we give homework every week. I don't know why people keep coming back, but you keep coming back. And so we're going to keep moving forward in our relationship and our transforming relationship with Jesus. So here's the homework for this week that I want you to think about. Find one moment each day to listen to God, okay? And I mean schedule it. Schedule it. Find just at least one moment to just listen to God. If it helps to set a timer, set a timer, do whatever you have to do. For some of you, it may be the most you've ever sat quiet with God in your life. Take that step this week. Lean in to know God more that way. Can you do that? Can you take time this week to listen to God? to set aside time to listen so that you may know him more. And then to find one moment each day to tell about God, to make known something about God to someone or just out loud like a crazy person to God, like whatever it may be, but to acknowledge God's goodness, to know him in prayer, to make him known through your worship, your declaration of who he is, how great and how good he is. And if that happens, friends, if that happens in our lives, If that's happening in hundreds and hundreds, and I don't know if you looked around our church, this church is growing. There are hundreds and hundreds of people that are coming to call this church their spiritual home. Guess what happens in this time every weekend when we are committed to knowing God 
having relationship with God, and then making him known with our lives, it radically changes what happens when we come here together. Because there's not enough room in this church. There's not walls that can withstand the sound of joy and praise when people come together who have been with God and cannot wait to make known how good and how great God is. It will change the dynamic of what happens here on weekends. We will not be able to keep up with what God is doing and how people are responding to him. I'm telling you, when we commit to that time with God in prayer, in our lives throughout the week, it changes what happens here. And then guess what happens? We have a new song to sing. And this city needs a new song. We've been stuck on a broken song for far too long. We have been stuck on a song of hopelessness and despair and addiction and isolation and people who are overlooked and under-resourced, children whose futures are leveraged for the sake of bureaucracy. We need a new song. And God is giving it to his people. He's giving it to us in quiet, still moments that when we come together, this city will not be able to withstand the outpour of love and joy and hope that we sing and we bring with our lives everywhere we go. Make sense? What we do here changes what we do here. It just does. One has to come before the other. My prayer always precedes my praise. And when I commit to to knowing God in my life, I can't help but make him known with my life. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that God has given us. So what I want to do is invite the band up, and we're going to spend some moments praying and and worshiping and responding and knowing about God and making him known and professing and confessing. We're going to do it all. He's like a lab. It's like a teaching hospital. We're going to do it all right here, right now. So we're going to experience that together. And as part of that, I want to let you know, one of the things that we regularly do around here is we receive an offering. And I I just want to speak to that so that you understand why. We do that because we look at, when we are honest and when we are with God and we are hearing from God, we can't help but acknowledge God's goodness in our lives. And we may not have all that we want, but we know we have all that we need. And God is the one who's provided it. And so we give back to him. And I would encourage and challenge you, for those of you who are serious about growing as a worshiper of God, those of you who are serious about growing in your relationship with God, this discipline of giving to God is one of the hardest ones to come to, but one of the most rewarding. And so that's why we do it as part of our worship. We believe that is a part of worship. And, and so we do it with blue buckets and, and in this room, but a lot of us do it online. My wife, Jeannie, and I do it online every, we commit to that. It happens because we want to give God the very first and the very best of our lives because he has spared no expense for us. And when I know and experience the goodness of God, I have to make that known. And so that's why we do what we're about to do here. And the resources that we receive here make possible all that we do around here. To what we give and what we commit to, God in an amazing way multiplies into ministry and continues to spread the work of this church all throughout our partners here in the city, all throughout the city. So that's why we're going to do that. Before we do, I want to pray for us. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to have a moment to just sit and be still and let words be sung over you. And the song you're about to hear is a song that the Worship Collective has actually written together. It's a Soul City original. 
And I want you to let these words just bathe over you, wash over you, and let them work as a way of knowing the truth of who God is. Let God even speak to you the truth of who he is and who you are in these next few moments, and then we'll respond to him together out of that. So let me pray for us right now. God, thank you. Thank you that I can even say let's pray. Thank you that you've even, you've put such a high priority on relationship with us. God, we want to respond in kind and put the highest priority with our lives into our relationship with you. Thank you, God, that you do it in small and still intimate ways where we sit and wait and then know, we taste and see how good you are. And thank you, God, that you revel in and delight in when we praise you, when we lift our hands to you, when we lift our voices to you, and we know that we join with angels as we do that, Father, that we are practicing for eternity as we praise you here on earth. God, thank you for how you have wired us to know you and to make you known. And so, God, we want to do that now through our giving, through our hearing, and through our speaking. We pray this in your name. Amen.